For the fifth episode of Holly Tech Talk, we have the pleasure to host Jennifer Maisonneuve. Jennifer is the co-founder of Lila Communications and Marketing. She is also co-founder of Canada Israel Hub, promoting collaboration between both innovation ecosystems. Jennifer is also the co-founder of the Israel chapter for women in tech. It is my pleasure to host her on our show today. Jennifer, welcome. Hi, Dan. Thank you for uh, welcoming me to Oli Tech Talk. Very happy to be here today. Thank it you. is our pleasure. <laughs> so, Jennifer, um, why don't you, you know, give us an introduction of your own, on your own words? Yes, um, absolutely no pressure. <laughs> How to talk about yourself in a 30-second uh, speech. Um, I'll give you a minute. You know what? No pressure. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> My one-minute elevator speech. Amazing. Um, so I'm a French-Canadian uh, from a French uh, parents, born and raised in Canada. I made Aliyah, uh, so I immigrated to Israel two years ago uh, from Montreal. Um, I'm now based in uh, Jerusalem after being a few uh, month, uh, weeks, let's say, in, in Tel Aviv. So I got a bit of both. Um, I would say I'm more a Tel Aviv girl than a Jerusalem, although Jerusalem has a lot of amazing um, vibe and sense, uh, mostly also on, on, on Shabbat. Um, my background is pretty much in um, marketing, retail, and for the last good eight years, digital marketing. So the big word of digital marketing and digital transformation, how to, you know, help companies um, do their upscale toward the new big uh, social media thing, uh, but not only social media, how help them to attract uh, more leads uh, and all that. Um, I've always been involved into my ecosystem or the community I'm in. So that is why I've decided to um, um, raise uh, myself into the women in tech community here in Israel. But I believe we're going to talk a bit more about it after. Uh, and finally, Canada Israel Hub in a, um, a one sentence is just because, you know, you cannot cut the Canadian caribou girl uh, from her Canadian roots. And now that I'm in Israel and surrounded with amazing people and in such a great ecosystem, I couldn't not do anything, so I had to bridge something, which is fairly new. Um, but I can tell you more about it after. So I'm I'm gonna I'm going to do something that I never did before. But since <laughs> you're from Montreal, and and I guess my family from Montreal will also listen to it. I'm just saying hi, hi family hi. in Montreal. <laughs> hi everyone. Hi everyone. How's the snow going. Yeah right. <laughs> um, so I, I just wanna I'd like you to emphasize one part, uh, which is McGill University and Sciences Po Paris, uh, because mm -hmm. for the listeners that do not know those two academic institutes, I think it is worth it uh, to expand one or two minutes on what are those places and what did you study there and how ranked place also it is. Absolutely unexpected, but I'm super happy you mentioned it because these schools are amazing schools. Um, so McGill University can be compared of the Harvard of uh, Canada somehow. There's another good school also in, in, in Toronto, the Toronto University or King's College. Um, but McGill University is right downtown Montreal. 
um, with a beautiful green campus, a bit like starting with the upper of the mountain, the Montreal mountain. So it's a beautiful piece of history also, not only because the school is amazing in, in law um, and medicine, um, and also uh, in engineering um, and at their department of political science, which I was in, um, so was also um, really much on the rise as preparing a lot of students for their law degree after or to work in the Canadian government, you, you, you know, a lot of students from, from around the world. So it's a very, very diverse and, and, and cultural environment, you know, your friend with people from all over the world which is beautiful um and that's a big thumbs up for 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 mcgill university in that sense i studied there political science and international development studies so basically the career path um that i was supposed to do was mostly or doing my law degree which i did not and then um with the international development uh, uh minor it was more like everything related to the UN, you know, work on the ground um, type of, uh, of job, which I did not because I started my career in marketing, but I can feel that today I'm coming back to this. So it's really good, um, the background. Then I continued my master to Sciences Po Paris. Um, Sciences Po Paris is the school that is known as preparing um, the haut fonctionnaire or the, the, the high uh, politician and politician of France, uh, because after Sciences Po, they were the the not the legend, the urban legend, but for real, uh, the the garden of Sciences Po is connected to the other school that is called Lena, which prepare actually the politician of of France. So the they were saying basically you have to go through. Uh, from this garden, from Sciences Po to Lena, and as an accomplishment, which I, I did not, and now Lena is no more on the other side of the garden, but uh, Sciences Po is very well known as this um, politi political science uh, school, but really in the last five years, um, they, 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 gr they grew a lot with a strong partnership with, you know, uh, Harvard, Columbia University, uh, LSE, um, Asian also University, uh, University of China, um, Wharton School. So they, they, they're not only just focusing on political science, but having also more international students and being more out there on the map. They have an innovation center. They now have an accelerator. Their journalist school is amazing. Um, obviously, their public affair master, which is one of the biggest. No, I did the finance and strategy track, which was very well done because your teachers are professionals on the ground. You know, they work in uh, bank invest, investment banking. Um, they, they work in those big like CAC 40 companies. Uh, so you really get a, a reality check and not just a theoretical, um, you know, learning at Sciences Po. So it's really good. I want to add about Sciences Po Paris, uh, yeah. just for people to realize the, the depth of, of, of that institute. Um, mm -hmm. Five French presidents, five French prime ministers, Emmanuel Macron, François Hollande, Lionel Jospin, mm -hmm. business and finance, Bertrand Puech, president of the Hermes Group. So we are, we are really talking of the, one of the Ivy League 
in Europe. McGill is also, and, and I like the, the comparison you did with the Ivy League uh, uh, buildings. You know, it's in downtown mm-hmm. Montreal. I've been there many times. Uh, outstanding campus. And, and basically, I'm, gonna, I'm going to use this to introduce the next part of the podcast, which is, Jennifer, when did you think, start thinking of coming, dropping, moving to Israel with those amazing degrees? And I just want to spoil, most of the Israelis would not know what is Sciences Po, what is McGill, and I'm sure uh, that you knew uh, somewhere there uh, that that would be the case. And I want to ask you now, when the, where the motivation came from and were you aware that uh, you would not eventually get, I say eventually get the recognition uh, for those big names on your resume? Uh, that's a very deep uh, question. I'm going to try to answer it in the, um, in, in the good way. So why did I decide, when did I realize I would come to Israel? If I understood the deepness of the question. Um, It comes from a very long way back then. Um, I would say after high school, I started to connect a bit more to my roots. And my roots not being Israeli, but being um, a Jew. When you grow up in Montreal, for example, and you're surrounded with so many diversity and culture, Um, and you're not just in this kind of, you know, traditional or community, um, let's say family bubble. Um, you get to see many things around you. And, and, and I kind of forgot to, to really look deeply in my own roots. So, and plus, because I was in political science and interested about political science, I was very much interested about the, what we called at the time, the Arab-Israeli conflict. So my thesis were on this and all that, very interesting. Now that I'm in Israel, I have to say that between the theory of what I wrote in those papers and what I see on the ground is very different. And many years passed uh, also. So being connected or trying to reconnect to these roots that came from um, many generations ahead for me and from Morocco and Algeria, uh, which Judaism was not that of a big thing in our family, then I made it my own. Um, and, and it took me basically a good 15 years to, to, to make the choice and to realize that this is where, um, I wanted to go. I have to admit, and this is where you can maybe put the violin music in the background (laughs) that, um, (laughs) I had a catalyzer, (laughs) uh, helping me, you know, come to Israel a bit faster, um, which is, uh, my husband we've met in Montreal. He was there unexpectedly, um, and uh, he's Israeli. And then when uh, it came the, the serious way and he proposed, I was like, let's go. It's my time. Let's go to, to also to Israel. It's the time after 15 years of being connected to the Jewish community in Montreal to be part at Sciences Po of the LUEJF, which is a movement for the a student movement for the Jew at Sciences Po, where we were collaborating at that time with another movement that was called uh, uh, Sciences Po Monde Arabe, Arab uh, World of Sciences Po. Um, so everything, every year has had something new that had up to my connection um, to my Judaism and 
to Israel somehow, indirectly. And the trigger was uh, when uh, I met my husband, it was the time um, to come here. Not that it's easy, mostly when you come from Montreal in Canada, because it's Canadian, we're, we're, we're sorrying ourselves too often, <laughs> mostly here in Israel. Um, it's becoming sometimes a bit uh, pathetic because you realize that um, the culture is different and way more uh, vibrant. Um, so I'm learning on this, but this was my, how it happened basically as. How as, much did you know about the Israeli culture before landing in here? Oh, wow. That's a very good question. Uh, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew, you know, when I was, uh, studying and doing my papers about Israel, there's this very theoretical part that you read in those books by those big authors you know that about those political strategies and stuff and all the the uh uh and intifada and all that and you think you know and then you're really on the ground um and you have this reality check so i didn't know a lot um it, it was a big reality check and it's still uh sometimes an, a big adjustment also because it's very far from the canadian culture as much as I can, I was raised in a um, French uh, traditional uh, type of culture at home. Um, I grew up in a Canadian school, you know, with a Canadian friends. Um, so you really see the difference. It's two different spectrums, like two extremes, let's say. How do you see the challenges uh, for an international talent like you? Uh, with a pretty wide view over the world, because that, that's basically been your main topic of study. So, so you've, you've studied it, you academically, and, and, uh, and I believe, you know, you, you traveled also. I see, I see Canada, mm -hmm. I see France, etc. Long story short, how it is for you to adapt to, to this very fast-paced environment, more precisely, the working environment? Um, so... I will divide it in two. Um, I'm 34 years old, um, so obviously my life was kind of pretty well settled back in Montreal. Work-wise, um, um, let's say materialistically-wise, like apartment, the car, and everything. You know, you have your friend. You're you're stable. You're in your comfort zone. Um, so I would say that there's a part that when you come at this at, at this age. And you come to Israel and you know you're going to let something a bit aside and rebuilding yourself. Um, unless you're, you, you won the, the lotto, you know, um, which was not my case. So you learn differently and you become smarter. Smarter in what you do every day because you know it's going to take you more time to adjust. Um, let's say the primary uh, challenge, which is the language for many of us as a Olim Khadashim, right? Uh, even though you've learned Hebrew at the Talmud Torah when you were young, which was not my case, uh, you still need to learn how to speak it. Uh, and even if you have a, a tremendous help here with the Israeli government, with the Ulpan and all that, um, doesn't mean it's easy uh, to become like a Israeli haste, if you want, like to speak like an Israeli and all that. And you need to be in this environment and not be only with, you know, um, Canadian people or Anglophone people or French people. You need to really just 
diving into the Israeli kind of ecosystem. That's when you are also at 34 years old. So there's bigger challenge because you feel that you're really stepping out of your comfort zone compared to a more settled kind of lifestyle. I would say, and I've seen it, and I have friends of this age, more around 25, you know, a bit younger. Some of them have the possibility to start um, their bachelor degree here in Israel, which is a huge opportunity. Um, so there's to do their study there or to, um, you know, having this kind of more adventurous at 25, uh, not yet in a more settled lifestyle, like a married woman, you know, or being in a, in a couple. So, so you're, you're more adventurous. And it reminds me when I decided to go do my studies in France uh, at Sciences Po Paris and to say, okay, like I'm 21, I'm going to live alone in my apartment in the downtown Paris. And, and, and then that's it. I'm going to be on my own. So I think there's this part of adventure where even there's some challenge, you're ready to live with a roommate and, and to eat more pasta or potatoes uh, and, or put your money on other stuff because Israeli culture and Tel Aviv and Haifa and Jerusalem have so much to give. Um, so the, how you do that when you're a talent, you just need to get out there and, and, and break the walls. And not everybody will open new doors, but what I saw is that like, if you're passionate, if you're committed to something, or if you have an idea or you want to do something here, uh, people cannot refuse to open you that door um, because they like it. They, you have that, they, if you have this little chutzpah, uh, chutzpah, which is like um, the, this, this way of like, you know, not in the arrogant way, but to like push the thing uh, the, the way you want. That's how Israelis do. So um, if you do this way, um, it works. Um, it takes work, a lot of work, a lot of patience also. Um, but uh, that would be my, my definition of it. I, I want to I wanna outline two words, okay? Mm -hmm. Build yourself and dive in. So this is two concepts that, in my opinion, um, are very strategic and essential for someone that is considering coming to leave Israel or just arrive in Israel or is establishing yourself in Israel. You must throw yourself within that experience all right, dive in. And the, like we, we, we have all grown up from the Alia process. And when mm -hmm. I hear you, I think that it is outstanding. I have a lot of respect for you for achieving that young, such uh, accurate, precise and mature thinking. It, it is just outstanding. I, I, I do appreciate so much what I'm hearing right now. Thank you. You're making me blush right now. <laughs> no, don't don't be. Now, now let's let's uh, let's dive into something that is yes. the curiosity of the day. Uh, mm -hmm. We are going to split that in two parts. The first one is going to be about Canada Israel Hub. I want to know everything about it, mm -hmm. um, and I want to know also next part, women in tech in Israel, because this is the nest for Holly Tech Talk. Women leadership yeah. within tech in Israel internationals, et cetera, et cetera. I want to know also everything on that. Let's start with Canada Israel Hub. So um, I, would, um, I would say like, I, I really want to emphasize a lot more on women in tech uh, Israel because I think it's a very important subject. But Canada Israel Hub, uh, it's a very young initiative um, that started about uh, a quarter ago. So like three, four months ago. 
uh, it's really to promote the collaboration between both Innovation Ecosystem Canada and Israel. And we're in partnership with, you know, expert government institution, which could be um, the, the government of Canada, Quebec, it could be municipalities, but it could be also Chamber of Commerce. And we're not the only one of doing this. Um, there's many other actors that are acting as a, as a bridge between Canada and Israel. Um, I'm thinking about the CIJA uh, in Montreal that is a very non-profit uh, institutional uh, actor um, helping this, um, these relations. But our goal is really to bring the stakeholders together and, and build joint ventures. And um, we're more focusing on the med tech or health tech, if you want, everything related to blue uh, tech or Shein tech, clean tech, um, uh, food tech, and obviously everything related you know, to the uh, AI, cybersecurity, smart cities um, that are going to this. And there's the last one about uh, green mobility. Canada is very uh, strong on the, the mobility sector and the smart city um, um, subject. Uh, although it seems that um, when we think about Israel, we we'll already think about, you know, United States. And obviously the relationship between Israel and United States, it's obvious. It's a bit less obvious between Canada and Israel. Although the, the, the communities, the Jewish communities between Canada and Israel are very strong. Um, but in this sense, Canada-Israel uh, is not just about the strength between the Jewish community, is the strength between two business ecosystems. Um, so we're not just working with the Jewish community or Jewish people. And this is where we're trying to bring more understanding about um, um, the Israeli culture, the Israel uh, startup nation, the Israel ecosystem. So for, for example, we can help for strategic partnerships, some uh, company uh, or an Israeli startup or company in the market would want to um, go to Canada to expand their, their market, for example. Uh, we help them find the right partners. It could be, you know, um, 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 ecosystem mapping, for example. Uh, it could be also for um, funds to help them to find some uh, investment funds as well. Um, there, there's many things that we build regarding of what the, our, our client will, would want um, and vice versa as well. So we know that Canada is a bit less present here and we hope to see more of Canadian company um, in, in Israel, which is not a, a, a win for now, but we're working on that, but we're not the only one. So we're really also filling the gap with other collaborators, um, more on the private sector right now. And we will see how it grows. It's still a new venture for me. Um, it's a new entrepreneurship adventure um, with two amazing partners, David Gobeil-Kaufman and Stéphane Pipon back in uh, Canada. They're amazing uh, business hunters and they know very well the ecosystem all across Canada. So. I'm very lucky and here in Israel, I'm working also with wonderful um, people, mostly women um, and, uh, and ecosystem. So, so I'm very glad to see that um, things are moving fast, but we still stay 
um, how do you say in a, forgetting my English, uh, prudent, uh, we're, we're safe a bit um, in what we do. Okay, that's, that is very, very, um, very interesting, the, the approach of uh, the secular bridge in between Israel and Canada, just like business oriented. Let's, let's put apart yeah. Jewish or like Zionist, whatever. Let's just do business in between the two countries. And I think that's a great catch right there that you got. Now, yeah. let's deep dive into women in tech in Israel, what it is, what you guys doing. Um, that's the real deal for today. Yes, and I'm very proud to be part of uh, the Women in Tech Global Movement. So it is a global movement. Um, the Israeli chapter is, you know, a, a tiny part of what is being done on the worldwide global level. So the Women in Tech is really an international organization, and we have a mission to close the gender gap by empowering 5 million more women and girls to embrace a career in the field of technology by 2030. So that's our like main mission. And we're focusing on the five of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, such as obviously the gender equality, the education, entrepreneurialism, as social inclusion in science, technology, and innovation. We are called the woman in tech, but we're really covering the woman in STEM. Uh, so science, technology, education, engineering, and, uh, and mathematics. Um, not everybody in women in tech are a, a, in, in the, the STEM field. For example, myself, I'm more in digital marketing, so I don't have a scientific background, but I've surrounded a, by... <laughs> a lot of women and men in this, in this field. And obviously when you're um, part of the more techie ecosystem in digital marketing, um, you, you, you see it around you and, you and you need it. So the chapter of women in tech Israel uh, was born in April. So during the, the famous COVID time, um, we did a soft launch in uh, May where we had a, a wonderful panel with our board and uh, amazing uh, speakers such as Imbal, Arieli, Orly Daon, and um, 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 Esther Barak-Landes, also Amy Palmore, um, ex-judge at the Israeli Justice Court. Um, so we did this soft lunch during our 24-hour 24 uh, 24 worldwide event of Women in Tech. Uh, basically, we started the event in, uh, in, in, in the U.S. and we finished it in Australia 24 hours nonstop. So it's a beautiful, um, uh, it was a beautiful event online uh, from all the chapter. We have chapter from UK, France, uh, Peru, Macedoine, Portugal, uh, South Africa, Russia, um, Thailand. And what is beautiful is that the Women in Tech Israel chapter is not there to take the place of other local organizations that are tackling all these, um, you know, uh, important uh, subject by uh, closing the gender gap, um, helping more women in tech here in Israel, bringing more of the Arab Israeli or the Haredi uh, com ultra orthodox community into the tech sector. Um, we're not there to replace, to do, let's say, better. We're there to collaborate with all the organization and we're already doing with a pro-woman organization or 
um, with FemGLM in Jerusalem. Um, really our USP and our main difference is that we are a window to the world for the woman in technology of Israel or in STEM of Israel. Uh, so basically we can help them to connect with the rest of all these other women all around the world that are from the other chapters. And the beauty of it is that many of Olim Radashim are coming from UK, South Africa, France, Russia, and we have this chap these other chapters in place as well. So we can bring even more connection um, to show what we're doing amazingly in Israel and to export it because we know that Israel, that's how, that's how they, they market themselves. They're born global. They're not staying in the country. Whenever there's something, they export it right away. So we're doing the same system. Um, but with amazing women and men, um, it's not just reserved to, to women. So. What is your role exactly uh, at Women in Tech, like operationally? What, what are you doing there? So for the Israeli chapter, I'm the lead ambassador. I'm the co-founder of this uh, chapter, alongside with uh, Anne Baer, the CEO of iCar Innovation. She's our strategic advisor. And Avital Özgel. Um, that has her own um, branding uh, co company. Can you uh, relate one or two events, actions that you are doing for women in tech? How, how actually you are helping women, um, you know, in any, in any sense? Just can you give us one or two examples so it becomes more concrete for the people that are listening sure. to us? Sure, definitely. So, for example... Let's, let's talk about the two main basic things that we're doing, but that many other are also doing so that will sound familiar. So we're doing events. Um, so, so far we did uh, three events. Two of them uh, were between August and September. About one, which was a very personal subject, more woman-oriented, for example, about it was called Cycle Central. So how you bioact your body as a woman to stay more focused and productive and how we can help more company understanding how their amazing talent and employee can, um, can, can be sometimes a bit less efficient and less focused and how to give them some tool to, to keep focused. So obviously we're talking about the, the menstrual uh, cycle of the woman, uh, which is uh, biologically something very natural but that can be very um, misunderstood. Um, the second one was about to decode your um, startup um, life cycle. Um, so we had uh, one amazing um, startup with us, uh, uh, Genetica uh, Plus, uh, that worked for the depression syndrome. So it's an early startup, uh, early stage startup with uh, Jump Speed. Um, so we had this uh, investment fund and we talked about like how you enable the stage of your startup to go from the first level to the second to the third, uh, which sometimes is really hard because you, you're in the stage one of your startup development and then, you know, kaput, nito, like, and, 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 and you're not able to, to pass to the second stage. So Ben Winner was, was, was there also to explain us how, how he passed from, how to help people to understand how they can pass from stage one and stage two. So that's the kind of first things that we do, different events. We also have uh, at the global scale, the, the Women in Tech Award that are gonna be on for the third edition on December 2nd, 2020 online. 
uh, we have amazing finalists and I'm super glad and I'm going to say it because I'm super, super happy. We have in the category of the um, most disruptive woman in tech award, Kira Radinsky, an Israeli amazing and talented ex-Technion, chairwoman and CTO of Diagnostic Robotics. And we heard a lot about her during the, the COVID as she uh, was helping not only Israel, but many, many different countries to map the zone of uh, COVID. Um, so she's been uh, nominated and we hope that she's going to win. Let's see uh, on December 2nd. So that's the first mainly things that we're doing. Um, I hope I'm not too long. Interrupt Absolutely me if not. I it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> and then, um, because we're still young and, you know, Women in Tech Global Movement um, has two years, but in the last year, we've been really much improving our action in the field. Um, and thanks to uh, two chapters that are very proactive, such as the chapter of Netherlands and of Peru, um, saying hi to, to my girls. Um, we are building right now a training academy, so the Women in Tech Academy, and we are going to be launching a youth ambassador program, which means that we want to have more younger girls um, volunteering and collaborating with us between, let's say, 13 and 18 years old or 13 and 16, um, because we, we, when we talk about, like, you know, empowering more women and girls, it starts also with the education at a very young age, right? The interest about technology and the STEM field uh, can, can come from a later age, um, like mine, or even at 50 when you have to do a change of career. You've been, for example, all your life into a tech company, but more on the soft skill type of, of, of job. And now you want to do, you know, your second part of, a, a, of, your, of your job, which is amazing. So how you get to do it with the academia, um, but also for the youth uh, to be able to jump in with us, um, because right now we're a bit perceived as a more older type of tribe or movement. And we really need the, 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 the eyes, uh, sight of these younger girls to empower them as well to teach to help them or teach them or accompany them uh, to how to take better decision how to become a leader and it starts with a movement like women in tech or any other kind of organization you can get involved with right um, so absolutely so this, our thanks <laughs> this is our, our two initiative right now our biggest one um, that will come out very soon. Um, so that's what we're expecting to do in 2021. And my big and ideal dream, <laughs> I would say, uh, for Women in Tech Israel is to really be a bit more involved at the government level in terms of um, seeing a bit more uh, how can I put that? Uh, on a political level, to be able to see more women reaching executive position or CEO position or being more on boards um, all over Israel, company in Israel. Uh, you know, like this is a big thing. It's not just uh, helping women be acquiring investment funds because we know it's still, it's still miserable numbers on that side. Women has more difficulty to raise money. Uh, and this is a, it's a, it's also a big, big, big subject, but I believe we can do just a podcast about that. 
um, but also to help women reach out the, the CEO position or when they want to do a career path uh, to not get stuck in the same position and really being able to take more responsibility and go on executive level, C-level, or being part of more of board members where we tend to see too often men uh, on the board member or younger people also, um, not just saying women. Uh, and for that, we need the men around the table. Um, we need to, to figure it out why there's less women there, how to bring them up. So that would be a, a big challenge of a woman in tech Israel as well, uh, how to help that happen. Let me react. Yes. <laughs> there is a lot to say. Number one, I think that one of the most important things you said, uh, in my opinion, leadership has no age. And the youngest we teach, we show, we prove to female leaders that they are leaders. They do not have to wait for an approval on anything uh, of that kind. It is the exactly. best. The, the sooner, the better. Uh, parity is the actual, the, 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 the real aim. And this is what, you know, modern people in this modern world, we have to all aim for. That's one. Second, I'd like to challenge you. Yes. You said that it is more difficult for women to raise money than for men. So I'm going to offer you a challenge and people, you know, I'm not going to edit that. So that's going to stay on the podcast. Fine. So okay. we're going to have hundreds of, of, of people <laughs> just like testifying. You and I are going to find a leader woman in the world of the VCs. Okay. Okay. You have to find... Uh, a, a, a woman who is a leader in a venture capital or a big company mm -hmm. focused over raising money. And we are going to invite her to a Holy Tech Talk podcast show in 2021. And we are going to interview her. I am going to ask my questions and you are going to ask your questions from two perspectives, from my innovation perspective and from your woman in tech perspective. Mm -hmm. You buy in? Yes. Good. Go okay. So that's, you said yes. All right. So everybody now is in and, 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 and so in 2021, we will have a podcast with a woman leader specialized in raising money for also women entrepreneurs. And yes. we want to have the answers. We want to have the questions and we want to advertise those questions because this is what we're fighting for, for just mm -hmm. you know, equality and parity. Yes. I have a question. Go ahead. The question is as follows. I was born in France, raised part of my life in France and lived in New York, mm -hmm. in Israel now. You were born in Montreal, you lived in Paris, you obviously, you know, experienced different cultures. In mm -hmm. your opinion, how different it is to be a woman, leadership woman in Israel comparing to the Occidental culture? It's a very tricky question because yes i know <laughs> <laughs> it is a tricky question because and i'm gonna have to be careful um stepping on eggs here yeah no, um, not not falling into the cliche all right let's no of course let's treat uh, the there, question over you know uh, how how women are being seen in in tech uh what responsibility they are being given how often they sure. get to the top level executive level etc etc let's let's avoid also all you know uh, uh harassment and stuff this is not our topic even though sure 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 no i was more thinking also about the difference of uh, culture which is very strong here in israel in terms of tradition 
well, let's say of, in terms of uh, 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 Jewish tradition uh, compared to a more, let's say, secular, secular world in, in North America, if we take uh, Canada and the United States, you know, um, here the tradition are also very strong. So sometimes the place of woman can be seen differently, uh, not less um, actually, uh, but differently. If we're just specifically into the business tech world, uh, I have to say that, and I, I will put my hat of admiration, okay? Because for me as a Canadian, I, I admire them. And in Bal Ariely in her book, Chutzpah say it very well, um, the women here have so much chutzpah. It's amazing. They, yes. they are strong. <laughs> like sometimes like I'm scared just because I have this Canadian kind of like way of seeing things that is a, a bit like, you know, all like um, uh, sweetie pie and everything is soft and everything is, is, is nice and genuine. And here it's more like, you know, you can see that the, 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 the upbringing of Israeli, the risk management are, are, are managed differently, actually. Um, the way I manage the risk or the stress in Canada is very different the way Israel is managing the stress. And obviously we know that in Israel, there is more stress on an everyday or daily basis just because of who Israel is in the world um, and the history background that affects people uh, since they're born um, and in part of their upbringing, which is a very different um, lifestyle in Canada as much as we can have difficulty and say you know like you have to be careful when you cross the street and you know don't go out at night I'm making a bit of stereotype but like Canada as I know Canada was never in danger of a war um, even financially um, so just different struggles there's different struggle exactly and and so your 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 upbringing is is very different you know i can say oh i'm stressed for this in canada and then uh my israeli uh, friend will tell me like oh really let me tell you about stress and they're right somehow it's just a different reality so i'm i i would say i really put my hat and i'm in admiration of of the israeli woman and in the field of technology in the israeli startup nation ecosystem they are strong and they are out there. Um, I've met a, a, a few of them, um, not to say a lot, that are mothers, they have a career and they are also on executive level. And they're, and they're also part of a, an organization or uh, doing some volunteering, you know, they're, they're all over the place, they're out there. Uh, it doesn't mean it's easy, they tell you they are, struggling sometimes they're they're challenging but they're they're real about it so it's very interesting how they're they're doing here i think it's the passion of surviving also and to to show that it is real uh compare and in canada uh the women are also very strong which is a uh, very interesting uh, you know in uh, quebec they often say that it's the women that uh, wear the underwear uh, in French, it's say uh, la femme porte la culotte, and uh, <laughs> and it's real because when French people are, and I'm gonna do a stereotype, but they say that usually it's the 
the the women that approach the men in 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 Canada or actually in in Quebec, um, and the women are very strong. There's a lot of women entrepreneur, um, and and at anything to do with level. the snow. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's part of the culture when you Probably. think, I, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the culture, the Quebec culture, because uh, I cannot really talk for the Canadian stuff, but I believe it's a bit the same. Um, the woman has a very important place in the, in, in the family and here too in Israel. So we can see that these two values are very important, whether you're Jew or not, um, just on a, you know, cultural side. Um, the place of the woman is very important in the family in Canada as well as it is in, in Israel. So I think that's why it makes strong women and they are, they are more um, privileged to, to uh, or it's easier for them also to become entrepreneurs or to, to decide to, to be out there. Sorry, I lost a bit myself. No, the, no, no. I that's actually, what I was trying to say in the end. <laughs> that's no, no, no. That's that's very much to the point. I, I really like it. Thank you, um, Jennifer. Before uh, getting to the last part of the podcast, um, yes. if you could share with the the people, women, men, it doesn't matter, that are considering making their aliyah, currently doing their aliyah, or already have done their aliyah, one advice you give them when they enter the working world in Israel? Um, oh, there's many advice I could give. I say um, one. But I'll we'll give you two. one. <laughs> I'll give you a good one. And I think it, it goes back to what we said at the, at the beginning of the podcast uh, with this uh, um, tag word, which is dive in. Use the resource that you have, for example, it's not to mention it, LinkedIn, and just, you know, write to those HR people, ask them to have a coffee, understand how it works. You know, what does it take to take maybe a few more months, a month or two more to understand how the, the, the ecosystem works here? Meet people, ask questions, and then figure it out how you can dive in even better. Um, and this is where the doors are, are going to open as well. It's not easy, though. It's easier to say than to do. Um, everybody has a different personality. Um, there could be a language barrier. Just try. Nobody will refuse you if you show that you want something um, and you ask questions. That is for sure. Um, thanks for sharing all this with us. Before letting you go, we are going to stress test your knowledge about Israel. You ready? Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was very formal. Are you ready? Um, yes. So you must be quick. All right. It's three questions. There is only two yeah. answers. True or false. All right. Okay. After Tokyo and New York City, Tel Aviv has the most sushi restaurants per capita. False. It is true. No. Uh, but someone would have to map those restaurants to me, at least the best one. Yes, because... I'm still very frustrating okay. from the sushi scene in Israel, but that's... Can, the... can I make a little anecdote? Can yeah, I make go a for it. Anecdote? I'm an Asian uh, fan, an uh, Asian like food fan. And when I went to Panama for a few months, I became a, like the poke girl of one of the famous beach there, which is called Playa Venao. And I was making my own salmon and getting my own fish and all that stuff. So the raw fish, the sushi is like, now that I know that I'm going to go map it. You can be sure of that. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> okay, moving on to question number two. Uh, thanks to its national stack, Bamba, or also known as peanut Cheetos, babies in Israel are 10 times less likely to suffer from peanut allergies. I would say true. It is true. Uh, yeah, it is very true. Go, go, go explain that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they, should export, they should export Bamba to Canada. There will be less peanut allergy. Than there, is, there is something crazy, actually, because uh, <laughs> my first cousin is like allergic. And like, I know so many guys coming from Montreal that are allergic. Yeah. Also, there is something going on with peanuts in uh, Canada. Yes, there is. <laughs> you guys get that under control. <laughs> Uh, last question. Israel has the world's highest rate of entrepreneurship among women. I would say true. It is true. And this is the most positive note I could find to finish yes. that episode. And that's a wrap for Holy Tech Talk fifth episode. Jennifer, thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. It was an amazing experience. And uh, hi, everybody. If you have any questions, you can always... Uh, look for me on LinkedIn or my email that will certainly appear somewhere on the website of Holy Talk. We hope that you enjoyed it. Don't forget 2021, we'll have a podcast in, uh, together. We will, we will do something big project coming. Subscribe to our channels on iTunes and Spotify and stay tuned for the next episode. Ciao, people. Bye.